We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's mailback time, Ryan, and we're going to kind of rock and roll through these. We talked a lot about that was fun. I don't know if you enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. I hate I hated uh, every second of it. Yeah. See, <laughs> why why can't you just ever be <laughs> serious? You're going to have sarcasm. This is All right. I, I, I enjoyed I've, that. I've only done sarcasm like 3 times today. Get come me a little slack. Right. Like 3 times. Well, I'm going to make you go back and watch the show and you're going to realize that that's a lot more than that. It's all good though. But I enjoyed the show even if Ryan didn't. That was a really good breakdown of a lot of really really good games. So we're going to get in the mailbag time now. We're going to start off with Kevin Park. Kevin Park asked, "Just curious if Golden's defense is too complicated. Freeman is the head coach. Why can't he tell him to simplify it?" I think a lot of times we assume that that doesn't happen. But, I mean, that's kind of the approach that Marcus Freeman took last year, too, though. I mean, he put a lot yeah. on them early, created a lot of mistakes. They gave up a lot of big plays early. But what happened? Around week seven, the defense figured it out and started playing really well down the stretch, despite playing some good offenses later in the year as well, Ryan. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the approach they're taking, right or wrong, is, look, let's we're here now. Let's keep at it, and these kids are going to figure it out. I think that's the approach they're taking. I don't know if I like it, but I think that's the approach they're taking. I mean, and also, Brian, like you said, I mean, it was a little bit of an adjustment period for Marcus Freeman early on in his, you know, Notre Dame career as a defensive coordinator. So I think he understands that, like, hey, this might take a little bit for Al to get everything fully to where he wants and to get the thing rolling the right way, right? So I think there's a very good balance there, Kevin, right? I mean, because coaches have those conversations, right? Like they do, they have those conversations, but I think that there is a patience that needs to happen with the first year coordinator. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that there's a balance that needs to happen, but I, I do think that it's something to keep in mind for sure. Moving forward. Next question is from Hulk strongest. Thank you. Hulk strongest. What's up guys. How big of a difference would <laughs> Kevin Austin have made if he came back? I think a big one and you have a yeah. legitimate vertical weapon W to put in the boundary. Yeah, that would have made well, a huge difference. A huge well, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have With a good figure. I mean, we've been pleading for more size right into the boundary for Notre Dame all year, right? right, right? Whether it is Tobias Merriweather getting a lot more touches, whether it is Deion Colsey getting some touches when he's fully healthy, right? Like you've missed that element to your game. So if Kevin came back, you'd be like, all right, I had a 
near 900 yard receiver from last year that is six foot three, has some speed. It's a, kind of an easy throw into the boundaries. So I think that that's kind of what you've been missing. So, yeah. And then another year also, Brian, like we haven't talked, I mean, we talked about it kind of the offseason. It would have been nice for Kevin to come back for another year to just craft his game. Cause I mean, there's a reason he went UDFA despite being a great athlete, right? So I think it would have been beneficial for both sides, but unfortunately, that's not how it worked out. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you love drinking coffee every morning, you have to check out Trade Coffee. Trade makes it super easy to get the best coffee delivered fresh from the finest local roasters around the country. Trade Coffee is a coffee subscription service that makes it so simple for you to discover new coffees and make your best cup of coffee at home every day. No fancy equipment required. Trade partners with the nation's top-rated independent roasters to send you coffee that they know you'll love, fresh to your home and on your preferred schedule. And you get to support small local businesses, which is a win-win. Whether you already know what you like or are new to specialty coffee and need some help, Trade makes it easy and convenient to discover new coffees. They'll send you ground coffee or whole beans for however you make coffee at home. My wife likes a dark roast with full flavor, and every brand we've tried has lived up to the billing. Whether it's the Big City Blend from Joe's Coffee, the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, or the Holmes Blend from Sparrows, every cup has not only had a pleasing aroma while brewing, but also a rich, full taste. So whether you're just getting started or a coffee aficionado, Looking to discover something new? Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll send you a new one for free. Upgrade your coffee today with Trade Coffee and let them take the guesswork out of finding your perfect cup. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your subscription plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish. Uh, Hawk Strongest also said, hey, Ryan, heard rumors that a certain five-star quarterback is having second thoughts. I want to go down. There was another question about that. People asking about the latest with Jackson Arnold. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan, let's just quickly clear that up. Uh, I'm going to take this one if you, if you don't mind. Yeah, Look, A, I've tried to tell people, stop following troll accounts on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> They either make stuff up or steal other people's information. B, has Notre Dame been talking to Jackson Arnold? Yes, they've been talking to Jackson Arnold for a while. It Would Notre Dame like for Jackson Arnold to visit? 
Yes. Did Jackson Arnold consider visiting despite what he has told some Oklahoma people? Yes. However, I think part of that was more about going with a friend of his to a big game. Mm -hmm. I don't think Jackson has really thought a lot about flipping. Any hope that Notre Dame had was that if this stayed quiet. That was the only hope Notre Dame was going to have is if it stayed quiet. But the fact that it's out now, Oklahoma is now on alert, that Notre Dame is still talking to them, and that's going to make it a lot harder. But even with the, even if it had stayed quiet, the odds of Notre Dame flicks, flick, flipping Jackson Arnold were incredibly small. It was never a real thing that we were concerned about, so uh, that we thought yeah. was an option. Even if he visited, it would have been unlikely. It, it would have reminded me a lot of the Walker Howard situation last year, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Visited because he's got a good relation with Tommy Reese. The odds of him flipping, not very good. And that's what we said about that one last year as well. So um, anything you'd like to add to this situation, Ryan? Just, just that I don't think that, uh, Notre Dame's definitely not hyper-focusing on just Jackson Arnold either, right? right? Like we've mentioned a couple names already. There's a, you know, they're expanding their board and we'll be, I'm sure, giving you guys a little more, a little bit of a peek into that pretty soon. But Notre Dame is making this more of a widespread effort to figure out their 2023 quarterback. At, at one point it was, you know, let's focus on one guy. They didn't get that guy. All right, let's focus on another. It's kind of becoming more of a widespread mission to find a quarterback. So it's definitely not hyper-focused on Jackson Arnold. Like Brian said, have they done their due diligence on that part? Yeah, I think so, right? But have they done their due diligence with Avery Johnson to try to see if he's interested? Yes, they have. But at some point, I believe that this board is going to expand a little bit, and you know we'll see where it goes from here. We have a super chat from David Knight, our guy David Knight, who's also one of the OGs of the Irish Breakdown message board chat. He says, "Brian and Ryan, do you think that do you think when you have a brand new coaching staff or even largely a new staff, it takes some time for them to create that footprint of success? However, in some cases, it can largely be successful. CW first year." Yeah, I think they're 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 just because you've got to learn the players. Coaches mm-hmm. have to learn players. This is what we wasn't an, well, it's an excuse. It was, uh, excuse, no, it was a justification for why the defense was a little inconsistent last year. It was you have a new head coach, new defense coordinator that's learning what his guys do well and don't do well, and you're yeah. seeing that with a lot of the assistant coaches this year. Plus, I don't think people realize how. The challenge, the schedule's been very challenging so far. I mean, it also, I mean, some of the stuff that you had, you know, kinks you got to work out. If you're starting with, you know, Akron in game one and then Marshall game two, you're probably looking a little bit different because you're not spending the entire offseason on Ohio State the way they did. You don't have the emotional letdown in week two the way that you did. You have a game to kind of build up and get ready for a, a quality Marshall team. Then Cal's a, a good football team. North Carolina's a good football team. BYU's a good football team. Which so it means is some of the warts that, that weren't exposed against Michigan, like, so the whole, we don't know who Michigan is. Why they haven't played anybody yet, right? That's not the case. If Notre Dame would have started their season off with Colorado State and UConn and Hawaii, Ryan, they'd be 3-0 and blowing people out. I mean, that's just the, yeah. the reality of it. So the schedule's been challenging. But, yes, I do think, Ryan, that there there does some take some time for that blueprint to, to – because what happens is, and I've heard this, I've heard from sources about some, some of the veterans when things don't go the way that they think they should go. Well, this is how Coach Kelly would have done it. That's what happens when you replace a coach who won. Is even the players didn't like him say, "Well, I didn't like him, but right, you know what he did work." They fall for that stuff too. I think it's taking some time to build that out, break that out of them a little bit as well, Ryan. And this this it makes it especially challenging when you don't have success early on. 
And that's what has made some of these most recent games very important. I think more often than not, Brian, because I know, you know, you're talking about like David mentioned, like the Charlie Weiss's first year, right, where it looked really good early on. For me, it's it's more often than not, the transition stuff does have its hiccups, right? It does have its kind of bumps in the road. There is a transitional period where you have to instill your blueprints on the program and you have to deprogram a lot of flaws that were already pre-existing, right? So I think that for me, more often than not, David, to the question, I think that a lot of times it does take a little bit of time. It does. I mean, Marcus Freeman wasn't dumped into a terrible situation, but there are still some flaws clearly with the program that he has to try to fix. And moving forward, I think that he is has those things in mind, and I think that long-term it's going to work out very well for Notre Dame. But to your point, there was some early bumps because that usually is the case when there is transitions like that. Also, mm-hmm. with all due respect to Tyler Buckner and Rupine, if Brady Quinn was Notre Dame's quarterback, <laughs> they're five and zero right now. I mean, yes, yes, you know what I mean. Like no. he was a a guy that had started the two previous years, mm-hmm. you know, parts of his freshman year, and then his whole sophomore year. He'd been through some of those lumps. He was always a talented kid that was playing in a garbage offense. Yeah, if you'd have had a junior year version of Brady Quinn on this team, you'd be undefeated right now. I mean. Most, at worst four and one so i mean that that factors too so the so the circumstances david are always good and what that means david is sometimes you can have certain parts of your team that are that are good enough to overcome some of those bumps right and and that's what brady quinn was he was that kind of neutralizer of some of those things yep milton fan 15 says brian the question about the big announcement you are doing sunday is it related to notre dame or specific to ib you have to wait and see no, I'll give you a little tease. It's Notre Dame related. We're not we're not going to have this big get together for me to announce a new hire that I'm making, right? Like that'd be that would be such a I would boo myself if it was something like that. Brian signs Ryan to a lifetime contract. Yes, That's what yes. If it was something like that, like you guys would deserve to boo me. No, this is a this is a different kind of announcement that we're excited to make, and I'm not going to say anything beyond that. But no, this is not. It's specific to IB in that it's our show and it's going to be fun and, and we're going to have some fun with the announcement. But yeah, it's 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 not it's not a it's not a, an Irish breakdown announcement about something about our company, if that's <laughs> kind of what you're referring to. So we'll be talking about Notre Dame that day. So good question. I think because you're pro- Milton Payne, you're probably not the only person that has that question. So it's good to good to get that out there. Scott Yerbeck, question from the mailbag: Which of the three running backs do you think will have the best overall productive season? Total TDs, total yards, et cetera. I think total yards is probably going to be Chris Tyree. Uh, yeah, touchdowns. I don't. I, I would think Audric Estime. That was That's, my initial thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty much where we were preseason. We both thought that Chris Tyree would have the most total yards, and Estime would have the most touchdowns. I'm still there mm-hmm. at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, I don't. I don't see that. Change did you Ryan. did you, in the preseason? Did you have Tyree or estimate with the most rushing yards? Did we talk about that? I can't remember. Yeah, I went Tyree with the most uh, with the most yards, but he'd have it on fewer mm-hmm. carries. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. But I also I, anticipated I th- him not being on the bench the first two games of the year for some, or at least not on the bench, <laughs> but like not getting touches for the first two games of the year. That's very true. So, very true. It, yeah. it, it has it has played out pretty solidly to what we were predicting in the preseason. That in the, the most part, estimates yeah. more on pace for the yards thing, but that's yeah. because of how they're using him to kind of just mm-hmm. wear teams out uh, late in the games. But uh, yeah, it still didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, to be completely honest with you. But um, yeah, I see see all purpose. Let's go here. Uh, let's see total yards. Uh, 
So yeah, and we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how it plays out. But that's kind of I still how that's still how I see it. David Knight says, "Does Jason Onye see the field, or is it that maybe next year?" It's still too early for me to say no. It's too early for me to say no because there's look, they're an injury away now from him needing to play. Mm -hmm. That's just the reality of it. And you just never know with a kid like that who I think is talented. I think Jason is a talented kid. He's just a raw kid. And COVID, the COVID year set him back, Ryan, because you got to remember he had only played football for like two years. And as yeah. a junior, he breaks out, and only the second year he's ever played football. He went to Bishop Hendrick to play basketball, and then mm. they convince him to play football. He has like 17 sacks as a junior, and he leads them to a state championship. Like, and you watch him play, like this kid's got a lot of upside. He needed his senior year of football, and then he he couldn't, he didn't play because of the COVID stuff. So that set him back a year. I yeah. think if he would have been able to play a senior year, he might be in a position to be in the rotation this year. So he's just got to be patient, let it play out, because I think he's got a chance. And I've heard a lot of good things about him from my sources and their name. They really like him. He flashes. It's just a consistency thing, which comes from just not having a lot of experience. I mean, he's only really played three seasons of football in his life. you know. So I think he's just still learning and evolving. But he's a really athletic kid. He's a big kid. He's really long. Yeah. Um, uh, I think yeah. he's going to have a, a chance to be a player at Notre Dame, and maybe it's this year. Maybe the one of two things could happen this year, right? One, the light just goes on. He starts yeah. dominating in practice, and you start playing him more, right? Or two, a, and another injury happens that's more long-term, you know, mm-hmm. a guy that's going to be out three or four games, and then you have to play him, and you have to start getting him some reps. So Because they've already had two – they've already lost two guys from their defensive line for the year. Aiden yep. Kahnana got hurt in the spring. He's out for the year, and then Jacob Lacey quit. So that's now two guys that you were expecting to be somewhat of a factor for you in some capacity. So they're one more injury away from, in, in my opinion, uh, having to play him a lot more. Next year, however, to what Ryan said, is where I expect him to, for him to be a part of the rotation because of his performance, not so much right. because of there being injuries. He, he I think he's a kid that could be hard to pe- keep off the field next season. I really do. Yeah, I mean, because he, I mean, God-given ability, right? Like 6'5", oh, yeah. 290 plus, long arms, athletic. Like there's a lot, to, especially in this system, man, that's a one-gap penetration-style system. Jason Onye can create some problems potentially with his yeah. athleticism. It's just, it's raw right now, but be patient with him. Be patient with him. Absolutely. Let's go to the next question. Oh, we actually had a super chat I wanted to get down here too real quick from Tyler Evans. Thank you, Tyler. Who do you think is having buyer's remorse with their new head coach this year? It's a good question. Um, right now, right? Oklahoma's got yeah, some remorse. Yeah. I, mean. <laughs> I, I don't know if Ellis – I mean, like Stephen A. Smith said his thing this week. Did you hear what he said about Brian Kelly no, and what he's hearing no, about it? He no. says and, – and a lot of Notre fans jumped on that. Like he's saying, I'm hearing nothing good about him. Players don't like him. Administration doesn't like him. And I'm thinking, okay, that might mean more to me if like someone I knew that actually like co- covered football – was saying that right. not just some dude right. that's on a show where they they talk about things he's not qualified to talk yeah. about. There's, if if Stephen A had some basketball inside, I would listen to it. But sure, football, uh, I'm right. all right. I'm all right. Yeah. So I and it's ESPN. So like I don't put a lot of stock. I mean, would it shock me? No, but I don't put a lot of stock in that, honestly. Mm-hmm. And again, when you walk into a situation like he walked into, where a program that has no discipline, yeah, I would imagine that those kids who were undisciplined and were allowed to do whatever they wanted don't like him very much. Sure. You know, and and so sure, I'm sure people don't like him. I don't think LSU is having buyer's remorse right now. Maybe some fans are, but that's just how fans are. I don't think LSU is having buyer's remorse at this point in time. You yeah. know, I think when you when you look at others, Ryan, I mean, you know, I don't think Florida's having that. I mean, look, I actually think Florida's 
kind of lucky to be four and two right now, you know, and, and I don't <laughs> think Napier's doing a great job, but I don't think he's doing a bad job. Uh, yeah. You know, you look at some of the other coaches, some of the other coaches, um, guys that are, that are first year coaches. I mean, Miami's underachieved in my opinion. I yes. think they've underachieved. Uh, I'm, but am I having bars remorse? No. Cause I'm like, look at what he's doing on the recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? He's doing some really good things on the recruiting trail. Uh, Dan Lanning. I mean, after that blowout loss to George, I mean, after the first game, I'd have been like, what have we got ourselves into? This team mm-hmm. was woefully unprepared, but have you seen Oregon since they played Georgia? Been playing well. They look yeah. really good. They look yeah. really good. I mean, and and what that's and here's why that matters. You have a young 30-something-year-old coach whose team got embarrassed on national TV in their first game, and they immediately emotionally bounce back from that. That impresses me because they haven't really beat a lot of good teams, Ryan. It's the way they're beating people. That they yeah. bounce back the way they did was impressive to me. Uh Dan Lanning, so he like I said, done a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, Brent Venables is the one for me for sure. Uh, Mike Elko yeah. at Duke done a great job. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got one for you. Brent Pry walked into a bad situation at Virginia Tech. Sonny Dykes has done a great job. Te- Joey McGuire, Texas Tech has won a lot of games, but you got to be proud of the way they're that competitive. Yes, they're competitive. Yeah, they are yep. very competitive. Kalen yep. DeBoer's done a great job. Lincoln Riley's, yep. you know, they're undefeated. Good job. Jake yep. Dickard at Washington State, they're doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Marcus, I mean, Notre Dame's happy with Marcus Freeman. Here's one. Here's one I got for you. Here's okay. a team that I think is having major buyer's remorse right now. Virginia. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought yeah. that Tony Elliott? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now oh. that's where sarcasm is appropriate, Ryan. Because I just it's it was so, so easy to see. Right, so like, easy to see. It was it was one of the those were one of those hires where you're just like, that is not gonna end well. And it's no. not going very well right now. Cause that's that for me, like that had to be a more of a short-term, even more than a long-term hire, right? Because you had yeah. some pieces back offensively where you're like, they some can be competitive. Pieces, you well, have they have a lot all of your pieces back. back. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you, you lost your you center have, and you're a, an offensive lineman, but you've turned you Brandon had, Armstrong into a mediocre football player. And last year he was one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC and nationally yes. for statistically. Yes. Like he was playing phenomenal football. And you're like, okay, if you guys can just get it figured out a little bit in year one, right? Offensive line's a little better. Defense gets gets a yeah. little better. Then you're like a eight-win team, yeah, you know? Seven, eight-win team in a bowl game. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. But, no, they're bad. They're a bad football team. So, that's they, a good one, I mean, man. dude, they're not going to make a bowl game this year, Ryan. I, I don't I don't see it. They're bad, I don't man. see them they're making a bowl team. game this year. I mean, they stink. I mean, they're they're, yes. they're two and four right now. They are they have a 17-point win over Richmond and a <sighs> two-point win over Old Dominion. Game you should have lost. Oh. They were competitive in their first two losses. I mean, Illinois beat – well, I mean, one of their first two losses. Illinois beat them 24-3. to They they lost to Syracuse 22-20, the game they had a chance to win. Then they mm-hmm. got stomped at Duke. And then in la- at home, they got stomped at Louisville at home without Malik Cunningham. So bad, man. They, go, they play so at Georgia Tech next week. I think it's a Thursday night game. They're off this week. They play at Georgia Tech next week on a Thursday. Then they have four straight home games against Miami – North Carolina, Pittsburgh, and Coastal Carolina. Then they play at Virginia Tech. Virginia hasn't beaten Virginia Tech in, I mean, I'm, let me look this up. It's been a long time, Ryan, since they've beat them. Like I, they had, I think they, I think they won a game recently. Let me look this up. Yeah, they won in 2019. The previous win over Virginia 
but the, the the last time Virginia won, besides the 2019 game, was 2003. Mm-hmm. So that's Brady Quinn's freshman year. They're not beating Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech this year, even with as bad as Virginia Tech is. So I'm like, they're not making a bowl game this year. In order to make a bowl game, they have to win four of four games against a schedule that consists of Georgia Tech on the road, who is three and three right now. One, two straight games after Jeff yes. Collins was like, uh, yes, yeah. Miami, North Carolina, Pitt, undefeated Coastal Carolina, and then a road game against Virginia Tech, who has beaten Virginia one, who's who Virginia has defeated once since the end of Brady Quinn's freshman year of college. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that's not like a, a, oh, you're, you know, you're, it's misleading. They don't play every year. Yeah. They play every year. Right. Like they play every year. So, uh, that, that they're terrible. They have to have buyer's remorse. Have to yes. have buyer's remorse. Yes. And, and Georgia Tech beat Pitt on the road and Virginia and Duke at home in their two games since they fired Jeff Collins. Those are two good wins. That is two good wins. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no one else is close in that conversation, man. University of Virginia, give me a call next time. I'll tell you if your hire is going to be good or not because yes. I could have told you Tony Elliott was a bad one. Everybody could have told him that. That's Everybody could have told him that. But I want I want the clout for telling him it. Yeah. So. Tyler Evans, as, uh, Super Chat, Illinois versus Minnesota, Purdue versus Nebraska. Uh, Tyler, we talked about Illinois, Minnesota already. Purdue, Nebraska is an interesting, an interesting one, Ryan, because they did not win their first game after they fired their coach. You know, we kind of had that conversation about Oklahoma, Nebraska. Does Nebraska come out and play well? And they fired their coach, and you're like, nope, they didn't. They got blown <laughs> out. However, yep. however, they have won their mm-hmm. two games since then. They beat Indiana by two touchdowns, and they rallied back from. Uh, they were down what ten nothing against uh, Rutgers, I think, wasn't it? Yep. and rallied yep. back and won. That's not a game Scott a Fro- Scott Frost coach team wins. Now I don't think they're going to go on the road and beat Purdue. They had an ugly road win over that. over Rutgers, and yeah. and and Indiana is not really very good to be honest with you. But the Nebraska defense is playing better since they fired since they fired Scott Frost's buddy who was their defensive coordinator. So mm. I just I think Purdue when Aiden O'Connell is healthy is a quality football team this year. They are yeah. that this is one of Jeff Brom's best coaching jobs. Because I didn't think they could, I didn't think Purdue was going to be sitting here at four and two with a chance to be at five and two with a win over Nebraska at five and two. When you look at what they lost last year, yeah, you know, losing David Bell, losing yeah. George Karloffis, uh, I just didn't see them being as good as they've been. I really, I mean, it, with a four point loss to Penn State and a three point loss to Syracuse, their only two losses were to two undefeated teams so far, right? Mm hmm. Well, Brian, can we? T- I don't think anybody's given this enough credit. Purdue also lost Milton Wright before the season, who was supposed to be their best receiver coming That's back. Right. Can That's we? Right. Can we talk about the job that Jeff Brom has done utilizing Charlie Jones, yes. who was like a twenty catch guy at Iowa, and then all of a sudden when, he's when Notre Dame was leaders? looking at him, we're like, look, he's primarily a punt returner, you know, maybe yeah. playing rotation. He's yeah. been better than anybody Notre Dame's had so far this year. Oh, easy. He's, he's, he's one of the leading receivers good. in college football. It's yeah. nuts, man. It's yeah. nuts. So, yeah. He has done a great job with this football team. There's no doubt about it. TJ Sheffield having a nice year, which I really like. I still always feel terrible about how his recruitment thing happened and how Dell yeah. did him dirty and the way that that whole thing went down. But he's found success, and I love it for the kid. 
But yeah, Charlie Jones through six games has 50 catches for 603 yards and seven touchdowns, Ryan. <laughs> you know, like here's what he did it. Here's what he did at Iowa. Uh, last year, 37 catch. No, I'm sorry, 21 catches for 323 yards. Year oh. before that, he had zero catches. Year before that, he had 18 catches for 395 yards. So he's almost he surpassed his career catch numbers, and he's already close to surpassing his career reception numbers in six games. So it's nuts, man. Yeah, Charlie Jones is going to catch almost 100 passes this year. Smartest kid in college football. Think about what he walked away from and what yes. he walked into. Oh, I didn't even think about that, man. He'd be part of the dumpster fire right now yes. offensively. Oh, yes. God. Yes. He's like smartest you, career move ever made by a college football To get player. away from Spencer Petras and go with Aiden O'Connell? Yeah, you're yeah. very, very correct. Yes. Oh, yes. God. oh, my gosh. It's so bad. So bad, so bad. Let's get to some more questions here. Uh, Irish blooded. What are the chances? Uh, what is the percentage chance with a healthy late lead that we see Angeli in a limited package with the bees this week? I hope we see Angeli. He needs to play this week. I, I mean, this I'd is be one disappointed of those games if we didn't. Play, Ryan. Yeah, I'd be disappointed if we don't see yeah. him. If we're being honest, like if if we don't see yeah. Steve Angeli in this game, it probably tells me that my prediction was very wrong <laughs> this yeah. week, right? So I, yeah. I think we need to see him. To your point, because I mean, just for those who may not know, the new rule is you can play four games and still preserve a year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. You only do that once, but unless it's a medical. But so he's as a freshman still has that opportunity here. Here's an interesting question, Ryan, and I think I know what your answer is going to be. Hulk Strong has asked, if Tanner McKee was to enter – that's Stanford's quarterback, for those who who don't know. If Tanner McKee was to enter the portal next year, should Notre Dame go after him? Yes, I believe so. I mean, yeah, I think – I think. I mean, look, Tanner McKee is a talented kid. There's no doubt, right? Like he's a big kid, strong arm, everything's there. It's just about, you know, he's been put in a bad situation. And if Notre Dame's offensive line can be as good as we think it can be next year – I think Tanner McKee could be really good in the offense, right? And but yeah. regardless, I'm not bringing Tanner McKee in to just give him the starting job. He's coming in to compete. Got he has battle. to know that. Yep. But yeah, I would take Tanner McKee for sure. As long as he was willing to battle, I mean, he's going to have Blake Fisher and Joe Walt protect him on the outside. Zeke Carell comes back next year. You've got some very young, talented guards ready to step in. All their whole receiving core basically comes back, except for maybe Braden for Braden Lindsay. You're going to have a great freshman receiving core coming in. You're going to have all your running backs come back. You lose Michael Mayer, but you know if, if any team is in a situation to handle Mike losing Michael Mayer and still be good at tight end, not as good as Michael Mayer, but good at tight end, it's Notre Dame. And so, yeah, he would do very well there. I think Ryan's point was phenomenal. You any I don't care if it's a kid that I like, like Tyler Van Dyke, or a kid that you like, like the kid from Georgia Tech Sims. You're going to know you're coming in here to compete. You're not being handed the job, and that's a big that's a big part of it. So if he was willing to do that, sure. The question would be, why would he do that? You know, unless he's like looking at it, saying, "Hey, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm I'm worried." Here's why he would consider it: I'm worried about my health playing behind this mm. offensive line. That's a legitimate mm. thing because they're going to lose a couple of those guys, right? Aren't aren't Hinton might have another year left, but I think Rouse is done after Rouse this done. year. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and if you're hitting, that's like, oh no! If you're, you know, if that makes you're, a lot of sense for you, you're, you're also, and yeah, to the injury part of everything, potentially staying safe, but also they're going to be losing Michael Wilson, Elijah Higgins, like Ben Urasek, maybe, who knows? Possibly, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a good situation. So yeah, I, I, I look into it. 
I'd look into it. There, there could be some guys in the portal this year, but we'll have to see how it is. But since that's since someone asked specifically about a player, I'll answer that that way. You know, here's something crazy about quarterbacks. I sure. uh, I found out yesterday, and I didn't know this actually, which I probably should have. Do you know that Devin Leary and Sam Hartman both have an extra year of eligibility still? Sam Hartman has a seventh it. year. How? No, he's. It's only gonna be a sixth year. It's gonna be a sixth year. Are you sure? He's. Yeah, they're both 2018 okay. kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, because he's played all five years, right? I think he, he started as a he, freshman. But then he registered. He started against Notre year. Dame as a freshman. Okay, gotcha. Did, yeah. Okay. I'm going to look this so he, up. Did he get hurt crazy, that man. next year? No, I think they just happened? registered. I think they registered him because they had Jamie Newman, right? Okay. I think that's yeah, what he happened. Played, he, he played four games in 2019. Yeah. So, yeah, that kid's already got over 10,000 career passing yards. He's going to be – well over that mark. If he comes back next, you know, Phil Dracovic's another guy that's got a, a six year of eligibility yep. left. There's yep. a lot of those type of kids next year that's going to be, and he's another kid that it's he's not coming to Notre Dame. Just, but he's a kid that may want to consider if you're going to play another year, you need yeah. to do it somewhere else. <laughs> yes, because yes. your health is more important than playing football. And and uh. he's, I mean, he's gotten he's played behind two of the three worst offensive lines I've ever seen BYU have. Because the 2020 offensive line was pretty awful as well. It really was really bad. Because remember, that was the year they were, like, moving dudes all over the place. And, like, they moved, yeah. like, Petrula from it's center a, to a, tackle. It was just a mess. It's it it's mess. a shame that he got hurt last year because he probably would have ended up with a really nice year last year oh, yeah. behind that offensive line, yeah. you know? Yep, absolutely. Matt Lee says, Irish need to throw the ball around more to others Saturday because Clemson USC will down the road be uh, able to double team Mayer and take him away. Yeah, Matt, we talked a little bit about that yesterday. I think that's a really good observation. I think that you've got to put some stuff on tape to make teams say you can't just take that kid out of the way. But even more importantly, no matter what your receivers do, they may still say, hey, we're going to take Mayer out. You need to make sure you're instilling the confidence in your receivers that when those Clemson, like the first game you build around your receivers can't be Clemson. It can't be USC. Mm-hmm. It's got to be now. I think it's a really good yes. observation, Matt. Jay has a question, Ryan. Here's one for you. Uh, who else can't wait to watch Oklahoma lose uh, to Kansas tomorrow? Peyton Bowen ain't going to that dumpster fire. <laughs> the, 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 I love that. I just had to get that out there. But the question was this yeah. one from Brandon. Uh, is Peyton mm-hmm. Bowen planning on being an early enrollee? Yes, to my knowledge, it, it's a really it's a crazy list, Brian, because there is a lot of kids that are planning on early enrolling already, to my knowledge. And mm-hmm. that's not even going through everyone. Like I know for a fact that Jaden Greathouse is going to enroll early. I know Jaden Lamar's planning on it as long as everything works out. Christian Gray will be early enrolling. Don Schuler will be early enrolling. I think Jane Osbury will be early enrolling. There's a lot of guys on, and if Notre Dame gets Jeremiah Love in this recruiting class, he's definitely going to be enrolling early. Braylon James, there's a lot of potential early enrollees for Notre Dame next year, man. It's a, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch because I feel like it's going to yeah. be a very huge early enrollee class yeah. in 2023. Absolutely. Let's go to some more here, Ryan. We had a question down here that I wanted to get to as well. This is in relation to the conversation we just had about buyer's remorse. And this is the question from Tommy Guns. It's his birthday. So when Tommy, you know, asks birthday questions, we've got to answer them for him, you know. He (laughs) says, do you think Michigan State is having buyer's remorse with that contract to Mel Tucker? I have two thoughts on this, but I want to let you answer first, Ryan. 
What is the contract details exactly? I'm trying he to got like what he were. got like 10 million a year. Uh, let is me, that what let it me, was? Yeah, 10 million it was a year? insane contract. Yeah, it was. Wow. Let's see here, 95 million over 10 years, Ugh. fully guaranteed. That oh so fully, oh that's yeah. yes then yes Tommy in that instance yeah. absolutely if that's fully guaranteed because this is the problem with what Michigan State did last year right. They had a great season. They hit on a couple of transfer kids. We talked about Kenneth Walker, obviously, who became a second-round pick to Seattle. The problem is, though, is that when you go that route, it's immediate success, but we're talking about the long-term effects of a football team, right? Can you recruit and develop freshmen coming into your program and really set up that pipeline? Charlie Weiss all over again. That is what it feels like. Except they doubled it up. They paid him twice as much for twice as long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Here's and, and and for a coach who had been five and seven and two and five in his two previous years as a head coach. I mean, yeah. the guy came into last year with a seven and twelve career record, five and eleven in conference. Yeah, and he did a great job of that team last year. But yes, you do not give a guy that big of a contract. Because here's the thing: if some team's willing to throw that kind of money at him, then sometimes it's so it's like Major League Baseball. The the best mm-hmm. GMs are the ones that are willing to let a guy walk. And, and that's like, dude, let the guy walk. Because if you pay him that much money, A, he won't live up to that contract because he's not that good. Or it's a young guy and he hasn't proven that he can sustainably do that. It's like right. you always you always say, don't ever give a contract to the guy who played had his career year in a contract year. You know what yes. I mean? Because there's yes. kind of a reason for that, right? Uh, Albert Hainsworth like, proved that in the NFL. Yes, don't do just that. like you don't you know, give a big contract to a quarterback that came off the bench for four games and played well as the backup with no pressure. You don't like Scott Mitchell back in the day. You remember that one? How, that might how dare you insult Doug Johnson? Like, I know, yeah, I know right? Scott Mitchell. Former Utah great Scott Mitchell. Yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> so it's like, you don't give a coach after one good year, just like Notre Dame had no business giving Charlie Weiss that contract. You know what I mean? And I knew at the time, you know, you, you think, Hey, it makes sense. NFL is going to come after him. Then, then let him walk. Right. I mean, it, you just got to be able to do that sometimes. And so with Mel Tucker, I think the second part of this too is be careful about teams that have the breakout with all the transfers, because what we're seeing from them is they lost a lot of kids that came in last year's transfers and their team, they're a completely different team. They have no continuity, no chemistry, and they're just not as good of a football team because they weren't able to match the incoming volume of talent on the portal like they did the year before. And that's the danger with going the portal route, especially when you're going the portal route with guys who've got one year of eligibility left or are in position to be in the NFL after that one season, because it just is going to it's going to create this with a lot of football teams, Ryan. Yeah, and that's yep. why you got to be careful. That's why the what portal mode? needs to be an accessory, not your primary f- driving force of of building your roster. People have called it college football free agency, which is what it is, if we're being completely honest. But the problem is here is that we also have seen in the NFL that free agency can be very finicky as well, right? Like you hit some years, some years you don't, and you give out way too much and you sacrifice other parts of your roster, right? Like that's what has happened, right? The, what Mel Tucker did last year was great, but the what the problem is is that I don't yes. think it's sustainable at his level. Right. Like Western Kentucky can do this every year, right? Western Kentucky right. was has been active in the transfer portal the last couple of years, and it's worked out for them. They're at a lower level where that is more sustainable. Playing in the Big Ten Conference, I don't think that that's sustainable long-term to be a transfer portal team every year. Don't think it is. Yep. 
it's like Mike McIntyre. This is why you don't react. I, I made this mistake when Mike mm-hmm. McIntyre had that great year at Colorado. Colorado. Okay. Yeah, he's the guy that's on my radar for the Notre Dame job if it comes open. Because that was like right mm-hmm. around 2016 when Kelly had the bad year. And does anyone know where Mike McIntyre is now? I don't. I, I have, have no, no clue where he is coaching now. You know, and it's just kind of why you got to be real careful with with uh, you know kind of diving into. That. I'm actually going to look it up now because you know how I am when I when I when I hear that <laughs> I'm like, okay, I got to know where he is now. He's the head coach at Florida International. He spent after like he got fired in Colorado, yeah. After wow. the 2016 season, because he went what similar thing, right? He went four and eight, two and ten, four and nine, and then he has that breakout year at Colorado where they go ten and four, play in the Big Twelve, Pac twelve championship game. They lost, but they played in it. In the next two years, five and seven, five and six, and then so he got fired there. Then he went to Ole Miss to be the D coordinator in 2019. Then in 2020 and 2021, he was the D coordinator at Memphis. Now he's the head coach at Florida International, and they're two and three, and that's not a that's not a good job. That's that that year, that year for Colorado, that was when they had that like Loy Fowl kid, right? Like the yeah. senior quarterback. Yeah, yes. yeah, yes. And he just when it, when he 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 was a lot for them, like Skylar Thompson is for Kansas State. He had yeah. stru- tr- trouble staying healthy, but when he played, they were tough good. to beat. I remember they gave Michigan yeah. a game. Do you remember that year? They gave Michigan so. everything they can handle in the big house in that game, and Michigan pulled away late. But that kid just battled his butt off, man. He just didn't have enough horses to to really win that game, but. He was a really competitive kid. He reminds me a lot of, of Skylar Thompson as far as how what he meant to that football team. But yeah. you just got to be careful with those one-year wonders. Make a guy prove it a little bit. And if, a, and if a guy – if you have to give a guy $90 million after one year to keep him, then you may want to rethink whether or not he's justifying keeping him. And, and that's no disrespect to Mel Tucker. I'd, I said that – I'll say that about Charlie. I'll say that about anybody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it, it just let the guy go prove himself, right? And – Otherwise, you run into these type of situations, you know. So, and we've all made those mistakes. But yeah, there it's a it's a bad spot. Yep. Tommy Guns with a question: B Ryan, who becomes the flagship program in the Big Twelve? Well, I don't think there's ever going to be just one, right? Most conferences yeah. have multiple flagship programs. I mean, Florida State stinks right now, but they're still a flagship program of the ACC, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they're really good in every other sport, most other sports, right? And you know, they're yep. still that team. They're still one of those name brands. Miami is still a name brand. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Pac-12, you got, well, you, the, the Pac-12 is also a big question. But I would say Oklahoma State Oklahoma is part State's of that. Oklahoma State's my one. Right? Yeah. Yep. I think TCU it has a chance to be part could of that. Be. Yep. I'm going to tell you a team that could sneakily become a flagship team of the Big 12. Um, you're going to be a little surprised by this. There's two of them. They're both newcomers, and it's not Cincinnati. Houston, BYU. BYU is a good one. I like the BYU one. Yeah. I think Houston will be able to recruit really well once they're in the Big 12. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes it more appealing to stay at home if you're a Texas kid. And yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But BYU, especially. I think BYU Mm -hmm. tapping into the Texas market a little bit could help them. It really could. But yeah, they're, they're a good football team. And it'll help yeah. them get some of the Mormon kids that may otherwise go other places because they're an independent with a not yeah. a good schedule. I mean, there's there's kid there they don't get every Mormon kid, but all of a sudden yeah. you put them in the Big Twelve, and maybe some of those kids that are going to Utah or Colorado or Oregon or Washington State or Oregon State, some of those Mormon kids they now start going to BYU, 
because now BYU is an even more attractive option. That could be that could be part of it too. So it's not just about tap, tap, tapping into the Texas pipeline. It's about getting some of your base that otherwise is going to schools that are not independents that play soft schedules. I think BYU yeah. could become in that conversation as well. I really do. Because when they were in the Mountain West with Utah mm-hmm. and TCU, those three mm-hmm. teams had great battles during those stretches. They really yeah. did. Those were some fun – and with Boise, those are some fun years of the Mountain West when Utah, TCU, yeah. Boise, and, and BYU were all in the league together. Some yeah. really fun years of that league. Right. Oklahoma State was my one because I think that yeah. they've – I mean, I, I think we underrate how good of a job Mike Gundy's done, you know, because he's like a yeah. he's like a sound a sound clip, right? Like you just want to keep playing the, you know, uh, I'm a man, I'm 40 stuff, but it's just like he's done a really good job at Oklahoma State, man. Yeah. Like they are just a consistently competitive, good football team. So yeah, yep. All right, let's get to some more questions here. Uh, here's one from um, We Are Not Marshall, Brian and Ryan. Can this be a game that Notre Dame? Gets there, gets far enough ahead to work on some other parts of the offense playbook with the eye towards tougher competition. No, I don't really think that's kind of how it works. Uh, it's it's not so much far enough ahead. What happens is, in this instance, to your, to your point, because this teams will do this. It's more of a, hey, we know we can whip this team, so let's work on a couple things we've been holding off on because we just it just hasn't, you know, there's this concept we've wanted to do, but it just hasn't been the right week because this team was maybe a better matchup or we had to do something differently or maybe it just didn't we didn't think it would work against them so you tried out against a Stanford or UNLV I think there's merit to that but it's not something where hey we're up by 30 let's try this because you have to practice it and and if you haven't been practicing during the week then you're you're not going to run it in the middle of the game and if you're practicing during the week then you should be running it with your starting team uh, early as part of your game plan so I like where your head's at, but I just think it would be something where it wouldn't be something you do because you're up. It'd be something that you're doing just as part of your game plan. Ian Johnson asks, do y'all think Colorado will win a game this year? Boy, that is a really good question. Uh, let's see here. Let me look at their schedule because that's kind of part of it as well. I mean, my 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 inkling is to say no because they're really terrible, but they may have some – you know, FCS game coming up down the stretch that I'm not that I don't know about their schedule. So let's see here. They're 0 and 5 right now. They play home against Cal this weekend, potentially, but uh, hopefully Cal wins that one at Oregon State. Uh, let's see here. Home against Arizona State. Uh, let's see here. Hold on one second. Hey, do what you got to do, Ryan. Do what you, you sure? got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see here, uh, Arizona state at home. That's a potential win because they're a reeling program, uh, Oregon at home. That's a loss. USC on the road loss, Washington on the road loss, Utah at home loss. They've got the next three weeks, including this weekend, Ian is when they, they're going to have to win one of these next three weeks. Cause if they don't win one of these next three weeks, they're going to have a hard time winning really hard time winning. They're a bad football team, a really bad football team. Matt Lee with a question. Brian and Ryan, didn't Stanford just lose another offensive lineman going into this game, which will hurt them even more if true? Matt, you've made two really good comments today, but they're things we addressed yesterday. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to yesterday's show, not so that you can have knowledge of it because you, you're already thinking about those things, but so you, we can break down what those things mean. Uh, they, they're getting Miles Hinton back, so they're getting an offensive lineman back. But then they're losing Walter Rouse, who got hurt last week, and they're also losing Jay Cornerbrook. So uh, they're not – they're not losing another in that 
they're out of who's already out. Hinton's coming back this week is what they're saying. So they, they're losing two different guys for this game. Their entire left side of their offensive line uh, is, is really an issue. We're going to get to a couple more here before I got to get out of here. Uh, Ryan had some family stuff he had to, to get taken care of. So it's some stuff that came up uh, suddenly. So everything's all good. Just, but that's why he had to, he had to get out of here. David Knight says with Philip Riley, Chance Tucker and Ryan Barnes getting passed by Morrison and Mickey. What does that say to them? Work harder or your time here has come and gone. I think what it says to them is, look, we're going to pay, play the best guys. And right now, those guys are the best guys. And if you want to play, you've got to work harder, improve in areas you got to improve upon is what I think that means. I mean, I, I've heard good things about Chance Tucker. I think I, I've heard that Mike Mickens likes Chance Tucker and Ryan Barnes a lot. I think Philip Riley's just a little bit more far, further behind from a development standpoint, just from an instinctual thing. I think he struggles. But this is more about just how good Ryan – about how good Benjamin Morrison and – um, and and Jaden Mickey have been. The other thing too is 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 Ryan Barnes was out for a little bit of fall camp, and when you've got good players around, you just can't you can't afford to miss time because you're going to get passed up. But I think it just says, hey, look, we're going to play the best guys, uh, and and so they're going to play the younger guys. If you prove to be better, we'll, we'll play you. Let's see here, uh, Matt Lee. This is a good question, Matt. Is the is the Tennessee game really an upset if Bama loses? Because I'm personally not really impressed with Bama defense after seeing them play the Aggies. Yeah, we we talked about that earlier, and, and your question came in before we talked about that, I believe. Uh, but look, I, it's an upset in every in every in every sense of the word. It is, and, and no, I'm not <clears throat> I'm not been impressed with Alabama in several several ways. However, Bama still ranked higher. Bama still the more proven team. Tennessee, I'm actually going to look up. It's been a while since Tennessee and Alabama, since Tennessee has beaten Alabama. So uh, let me just look up uh, when the last time was that that Tennessee beat Alabama. It's been a while uh, since they since they've beaten them. Yeah, the last time Tennessee beat Alabama. Now keep in mind they have played every single season. Uh, since this time, but the last time that Tennessee beat Alabama was 2006. Alabama's beaten them every year. Bama's favored, higher ranked, and the more proven team. So even if Bryce Young doesn't play, if Tennessee beats them, it's an upset in every traditional sense of the word. I think what it, what I would say to your point, Matt, however, is I wouldn't be shocked by it. You know, and I'm predicting it to happen. You know, so so I I do think that they'll. They'll, you know, I predict them to win. Uh, you know, if Bryce doesn't play, I think if Bryce Young doesn't play, it makes it less of a upset it, to me. But you know, like even with me predicting it to, even with me predicting Tennessee to win, I still view it as an upset at this point in time. It's just, it's going to be a, uh, it's not a shocking upset. It's still an upset, and and you know they got to go prove it. But I just, I think. I just think it's not. So let's get to a couple. I just I think we're gonna have to get out of here because uh, I got some stuff that's kind of come up that that I got to get to, and then Ryan had to, to to run to get some personal stuff. But great show today. Look tomorrow. Listen to me tomorrow. If you're in town, if you live in town, or if you're in town for the game, be on campus. Be over near the Golden Dome around three to three fifteen. I'm gonna be around there. We're going to be getting set up. We're going to have a. We're going to go live from campus tomorrow uh, for our for a show, a special edition show. It it won't be a super long show. It's going to be a very important show. Uh, it's going to be one you're going to want to even if you can to be in person for. 
Uh, would love to see you all there. I'll be there, obviously. And uh, some other special guests will be there tomorrow. So you're definitely going to want to check that out tomorrow on campus, 3 to 3.15, over by the Dome. You'll see me. I'll have a table there. We'll be all set up. It's going to be a blast. Uh, definitely looking forward to it very, very much. Hit that like button, like button, everybody. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. If you're listening via podcast, please give us a five-star review. We would appreciate that very, very much. Uh, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., also, we are having our IB, count, IB countdown, the kickoff game, our kickoff show with Vince and Sean. Ryan will also make an appearance to talk about the important recruits are going to be on campus tomorrow. Uh, Saturday after the game, it'll be a late show, but we will have a post-game show after the game tomorrow. And then, of course, Sunday, Vince and I will be back for our upon further review. So I hope to see a lot of you out on campus tomorrow. Uh, definitely going to want to come check that out. We, it will be on YouTube. It will be a live show. So if you're not in town, it's going to be a live show, meaning we are going to stream it live from there. So it will still it still will be uh, a live show. So you, it'll be you, it'll be on air because Ryan will be part of it. Ryan won't be at the game tomorrow. I will be on campus. Ryan is going to be doing the show uh, from his place, so we will be able to get that done. But uh, yeah, so you, even if you're not there, you'll still be able to watch the show and and enjoy everything as well. So I think Mark Brown said the best. Go Irish! Thanks everybody for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs> Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.